Amen. Well, let's pray and then we'll dig into the word. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We praise you. We love you. We do lift up Bud to you, Lord. We pray, Lord, for him and his wife, and we pray in his new, his new faith. I pray he's in church today. I pray he will continue to grow in his relationship with you. And Lord, we pray for all 4,000 people that got baptized yesterday. And Lord, we ask that as my prayer was for each of them in the water, that they wouldn't just confess the Lord before that crowd, but every single day. And I pray that for all of us in this tent this morning, that we'd be unashamed of the gospel, that we would pray for divine appointments, that, Lord, we would uh, just be tools in the hands of our master. And, Lord, I pray that you would now be our teacher as we go to your word, as we look at the false prophet, something that's so prevalent in the world today and the ultimate false prophet that will be Uh, just the culmination of every false prophet that's gone before him. So Lord, be our teacher. Give us ears to hear what your spirit would say to us. We love you. We praise you. I pray again, if anybody is new here today, they would feel welcomed and loved. If anybody doesn't know you, that today would be the day of salvation. We ask these things in your holy and your precious name. We pray and all God's people said, Amen. amen. So last week, we looked at the Antichrist. And antichrist doesn't mean the opposite of Christ, but in place of Christ. We talked about the unholy trinity. You've got Satan, the dragon. You've got the beast, which is the antichrist. And you've got, who we're going to look at today, the false prophet. Now, I know I repeat this every week. I'm going to repeat it again. The book of Revelation is not that difficult to understand. It's the only book in the Bible that actually has a divine outline right in the first chapter. And it says... The title of Revelation is the revelation or the apocalypsis of Jesus Christ. It's the unveiling of Jesus. The whole reason this book was written to help us understand who Jesus is and also, of course, the prophecy of things that are to come. Chapter one, the things which were Jesus in heaven. Chapter two and three is called the what age? Church age. And during that church age, we see the church mentioned 19 times in the letters to the seven churches. And then the things which are to come, which is after the church has been raptured. When you go to chapter 4, verse 1, John the apostle is called up, has a heavenly perspective, and he now has a vision and is writing this down that comes from the Lord. And the word harpazo uh, in Greek is rapturo in Latin, and that's where we get the term for rapture. And from chapter 4 to chapter end of chapter 19, we do not see the church mentioned ever again. What we see instead is the righteous judgment of God coming upon those who have rejected the Lord and are walking in open rebellion against him. Now, the reason that there is a great tribulation is an opportunity for what? For more people to get saved. So he's bringing righteous judgment, but in the midst of it, people are going to surrender their lives to the Lord. We know that when the church is gone, there's 144,000 Jewish Billy Grahams, if you will, who are going to be going around sharing about Jesus. We know that there's the two witnesses, and we know that many will come to know the Lord, and most of them will pay with their life for giving their life to the Lord. We also know that the believers will take a mark. It's a letter T, but it looks like a cross upon their forehead, and that'll come into uh, play here in this morning's chapter. So let me give you a little background quickly, and then we'll dig into the text. But this major, what is Satan's most, what is his major tool that he uses? Here's what it is. It's deception. He loves to deceive people. 
His major weapon is deception, refers to Satan, Jesus does as the father of lies, who disguises himself as an angel of light. And so one of the things the enemy loves to do, and it's prevalent in the world today, even amongst people who call themselves the church, where deception is running rampant, and the only defense, the defense we have against deception is knowing the truth. Amen? And that's why we teach the whole counsel of God. From his first appearance in the Garden of Eden in Genesis chapter 3 until his final appearance at the end of the millennial reign in Revelation 20, Satan is and will always be a liar and a deceiver. He constantly seeks to confuse people, to blind their minds of the unbelieving God, so to, to be unbelieving so that they might not see the light of the gospel and the glory of Christ who is in the image of God. Satan's attributes can clearly be seen in the actions of those that follow him. Everybody in this room this morning, you're either for him or you're against him. You're either a friend of God or an enemy of God. You're either a saint or an ain't, amen? You either know the Lord or you don't. And there is no middle ground. You got faith or unbelief. And as we know, Lucifer who was cast out of heaven due to his pride, arrogance, and hunger for power, wanting to be God, thought he could conquer, overthrow, and replace Almighty God. And it's not surprising that in last week's text, when we were introduced to the beast, the Antichrist, one of the dragon's uh, minions, he's hungry for power, position, and authority. So when you see people hungry for power, position, and authority, remember that is not Christ-like, that is satanic. Amen? But so many people are told, you need to be in charge. You know, it's, your success is by how many people follow you. Well, the Bible would teach, it's not how many people follow you or how many people serve you, but how many people you serve. Amen? If you want to be great in God's kingdom, learn to be the servant of all. Amen? Now, we saw the Antichrist who was going to be a political leader. And we saw the ten horns and the, the crowns and everything about him. So he's a man of great power. We know that he's going to be struck down dead or seeming to have died and will raise from the dead. And because of that, he'll, his name will grow. And people in the midst of the great tribulation are going to be in a place of no hope, in desperation. He's going to come on the scene and they're going to follow him. Now, unlike the political leader, who we're going to look at this morning is more of a religious leader, believe it or not. And he is going to be, again, the false prophet. So again, we have the, we have the dragon, which is Satan. We have the Antichrist, the beast. And then we have the second beast, and he is the false prophet. What does a false prophet do? He teaches things that are contrary to the word of God to draw people away from the Lord and to serve someone or something else. Amen. Now, I want to say this. There's a lot of pulpits in America and all over the world where this morning false prophets are standing behind the pulpit preaching a false gospel. Amen? Because Jesus plus nothing equals salvation. And it's not about you, it's about him. And we don't come here so that we can be lifted up. We come here to lift him up, him and him alone. Amen? It's interesting, the Bible repeatedly warns the danger of false prophets. And 
it even speaks of the doctrines of demons in 1 Timothy 4. But Moses paused in the middle of giving the law of Israel to warn them of those who would lead people astray from God's word and his commands. So he's giving the word of God out. So here he is giving the word of God. And he stops in the middle of giving the word to warn them that there will be people that will try to take people away from the word. Or they will contradict the word. Let me encourage you. Guys, we should be reading our Bibles every single day. Amen? We're to desire the word of God more than our necessary food. The reason people are deceived and get distracted is they take their eyes off of the Lord. It says this in Deuteronomy 13. If there arrives among you a prophet or a dreamer of dreams, and he gives you a sign or a wonder, and the sign or wonder comes to pass of which he is speaking to you, let us go after other gods which we have not known, and let us serve them. You shall not listen to the words of the prophet or the dreamer of dreams, for the Lord your God is testing you to know whether you love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul. You shall walk after the Lord your God and fear him and keep his commandments and obey his voice, and you shall serve him and hold fast to him. But that prophet or dreamer of dreams shall be put to death. How does God feel about false prophets? Then it says there, because he has spoken in order to turn you away from the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, who redeemed you from the house of bondage, to entice you from the way in which the Lord your God commanded you to walk, so you put away the evil from your midst. Jeremiah also warns us and says this in Jeremiah 23, thus says the Lord of hosts, do not listen to the words of the prophets who prophesy to you. They make you worthless. They speak of a vision of their own heart, not from the mouth of the Lord. He later says in that same chapter, I have not sent these prophets, yet they ran. I have not spoken to them, yet they prophesied. But if they stood in my counsel and had caused my people to hear my words, then they would have turned them from their evil way and from their evil doings. Here's how we know if prophecy is true. First of all, how many times is a false prophet wrong before he's a false prophet? What's the answer? One time. And once a false prophet says something that's not true, he's done. Game over. Should never listen to him again. Amen? Now, we teach the Word of God. That's why we teach the Word of God, because we know this is true. Amen? Not the opinions of man, but the Word of God. Why do we hand out Bibles when you come here? By the way, if we handed you a Bible, you don't have a Bible, or you like that one better, it's our gift. Please take it home, open it, read it, and obey it. Amen? But the thing is that the enemy wants us to be biblically illiterate, and he wants to use our emotions and signs and wonders and other things, we're going to see this in a moment, to take our eyes off the simple truth of the Word of God. One of the things that's under, under attack today is truth. Amen? And people say, there's no you know, truth. It's my truth and your truth. We've talked about this before. And so we live in a time where there's deception all around us. And false prophets, so when Mormons come to my door, Joseph Smith said this, it's not true, he's a false prophet. We don't need to talk anymore. Jehovah's Witnesses come to my door. You predicted the end of the world in 1918, 1930. I go through all the years. You know what that makes you? False prophets. You don't teach the truth. You're done. Amen? And we don't listen to what men say. We study what the Word of God says. Amen? But here's what's being taught today. Just a few things and we'll get into the text. Preaching a flesh-driven false gospel that appeals to man's fleshly desires. The prosperity doctrine. You ever heard of that? Fourth of July, I was sitting at a pool in Colorado. I heard two people talking. I heard Bible. <laughs> I heard someone say Bible. 
And they were talking about a book by this guy who's a false prophet and how the tongue determines what happens. And we just need to speak words into existence. And whatever we say, we can manifest. And they were saying it's all biblically based. And I said, that is the biggest bunch of nonsense I've ever heard in my life. Because if that were true, then the universe would be in charge, not God, because we would tell the universe what to do and it would have to do what we say. And we don't tell God what to do. God tells us what to do. Amen. Amen. And like, I'm reading this book. That's good for kindling. You might want to burn that. (laughs) Amen. And so we need to be careful. And they kept saying, but it's biblically based. I said, what Bible are you reading? Nowhere in the Bible does it tell us that we tell God what to do. Amen. Our words, you know why they use that? They say, well, God spoke and he created everything so we can speak and create things. Uh, No, he's God. You're not. Amen. God can create everything. We can't create anything apart from him. Amen. The other thing that the false prophets do is they make God less and man more. All the cults make God less and man more. They elevate men. The Mormons say you're going to be God of your own planet. Good way to get recruits, right? You're going to be God of your own planet. And they make Jesus the brother of Lucifer. That's Mormon doctrine. And when you listen to false teachers, they will always magnify men often, or they'll, they'll speak to your felt needs and that is such nonsense. Let me tell you your need. You ready? You need Jesus. Well, I have special needs. No, you do. You all have a special need. You're all sinners just like me. We all need to be saved. And praise God that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Amen? They will tell you you're a little God. You can be God of your own planet. Your words spoken in faith can manifest anything you proclaim. All focus on man getting his wicked fleshly desires and making it about you and your wants instead of doing God's will and knowing his way is best. You know what the greatest thing you can do is obey God. Highest form of worship is obedience. As bad as all these false prophets we've talked about have been, this guy we're going to look at this morning is worse than all of them. And what we are going to see about him is he's not going to be as bold and brazen as the Antichrist. The Antichrist is going to be a political leader. Ever met a shy politician? That doesn't happen. So he's going to be a politician. He's going to be speaking forcefully. He's going to raise from the dead. He's going to have a crowd following after him. But the false prophet is going to be much more subtle. And let me just say this. When people are subtly off, you know, in a subtle way or off track, it's easier for us to fall for it. And that's why it's so important that we know the truth. Jesus points men to the Father. The Holy Spirit points uh, people to Jesus. The Antichrist points people to Satan. And this false prophet points people to the beast, the Antichrist. Finally, on the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said this, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. Grab your outline. Let's go through that quickly and we'll jump into the text. You were not here last week for the Antichrist, and you can go to our website, ccaneovalley.com. It's always there. By the way, uh, Pastor Brent did a wonderful job on Thursday. I was able to watch that from Colorado. So I encourage you, if you didn't see that, uh, go watch that. All right, so Revelation 13, verses 11 through 18, I tiled the message, the false prophet, the religious leader who leads people to worship the Antichrist, and he's not a conquering dictator, but a subtle deceiver. So who is the false prophet? This verse 11, one who appears less threatening than the Antichrist. He's going to be milder in appearance, more subtle in his words and approach. 
but just as much a child of hell as the Antichrist and a part of the unholy trinity. Secondly, we, after we know who the prophet, false prophet is, the power and authority that the false prophet will possess. Number one, again, he'll be more, uh, more of a subtle deceiver than the Antichrist. He will exercise the same kind of demonic power and authority. The Bible tells us, we'll see it this morning, he's going to perform great signs and he will deceive the unbelievers. And then finally, what is the false prophet seeking to accomplish? What is his goal? Here's what it is. Full compliance in worship to the Antichrist. He wants everybody in step, all worshiping the false god. We're going to see that there is going to be an idol of the beast, of the Antichrist that's created, but unlike other idols, it's going to be able to move and talk. We know it's demonic in some way. Some think it's technology. Others just think it's a demonic being. And the other thing that he will want to accomplish is to make everyone take the mark of the beast. Because in those days, the only way you'll be able to buy and sell is if you're linked to the Antichrist, if you surrendered it. And again, we'll see the mark 666. It's in this chapter. So let's begin there in verse 1, Revelation 13, or verse 11, excuse me. And, and point number one there, who the false prophet is. And it says of him there in verse 11, then I saw another beast coming up out of the earth and he had two horns like a lamb and spoke like a dragon. So John having seen the vision of the first beast, remember John is seeing this vision. Remember this is in the midst of all the bold judgments and all the different, you know, the opening of all the seals. And this is kind of a, an interlude chapter 12 to 14, where we're seeing all these signs in the book of Revelation, always assume it's literal unless it tells you that it's not. These are signs in these three chapters. It says, I saw another beast. This represents someone like the Antichrist, but they are different in origin because one comes from the sea and one comes from the earth. They are different in rank because the second is more subtle and he'll be submitted to the Antichrist. And they are different in appearance because the second is a lamb-like appearance. So the Antichrist, if you were here last week, he had 10 horns, seven heads, overcomes a fatal womb, 10 crowns, seven blasphemous names, and he's a grotesque and frightening figure. Now, this second beast has two horns. Now, remember in scripture, horns, these signs are representations of power. So we know that the Antichrist will be much more powerful. He has 10 horns, and this false prophet only has two. So he doesn't have the power that the Antichrist has, but he still has a level of power. But he also is like a lamb. Anybody ever been afraid of a lamb? You run, you run screaming when you see the lamb at the petting zoo. It doesn't happen. <laughs> no one's afraid of a lamb. But, but sometimes, in this case, this lamb, you should. Because that's what happens. You know, you have people come to your door, and they're all dressed really nice. They got a little name tag on. They're riding their bikes. And they, you, know, you knock on the door, and they're all polite, and they look like lambs. But they're really from the devil. Amen. Now, do we pray for them? What's the answer? Do we want to see them saved? What's the answer? But that being said, they're deceived. And so just because somebody looks clean cut and looks nice and speaks with, you know, respect and, and you know, seems to have character, that's kind of what the false prophet's going to be like. He's going to be like a lamb. He's going to seem unthreatening, but the reality is he's going to be leading people astray and, and causing people to go after 
and speak or and worship the false Christ, the Antichrist. So like a lamb, he does not come as a conquering dictator, but on, a, on the surface appears as a subtle deceiver with meekness and gentleness. But notice what it says there at the end of the verse there. It says that he, again in verse 11, he's another beast coming up out of the earth. He had two horns like a lamb and he spoke like a what? Who's the dragon? Satan. So even though he appears subtle, even though he appears harmless, he is speaking with the same authority and again, with the same level of deception. The false prophet is no less a child of hell than the Antichrist. And while their appearances are so greatly different, and they may come across in very different ways, tones, and attitudes, they both are tools of Satan who seek to steal, kill, and destroy. Guys, when you say things like, but those Mormons are nice people, or the Jehovah's Witness, and you know, and, and you wouldn't compare them to the guy singing some satanic highway to hell song, right? But the reality is, they're both following the enemy, amen? And they both need to be saved. And the reality is, I don't think either one's closer to salvation than the other. They both need to be born again, amen? But it, there's a there's a connotation after people say, well, they're so close to being saved because they're so moral. Here's the problem with that. They think they're getting saved because of their morality. Until we recognize we're sinners, we'll see no need for a savior. Amen? And when you, when you elevate Joseph Smith and a book added to the Bible or any other false doctrine being taught by anybody else, you're falling into the trap of listening again to even one who might be like a lamb. False prophets often appear meek, mild, and harmless. Again, I see them. At, uh, they used to come to the Home Depot. Jehovah's Witnesses are out front, and they're marking down their hours. And you walk by, by and try. They never. And by the way, I'll walk by ten times waiting for them to say something to me, and they just don't do it. <laughs> I keep waiting for them to go, "Hey, have you heard about the Jehovah's Witnesses?" Well, actually, I have, and let me tell you what I know. <laughs> but that doesn't happen. They're just sitting there. And they're far less concerned about my eternity than their own because they think they're earning heaven by doing good works. Guys, good works do not save us. Good works are fruit that we've been saved. Amen? It's not the source of salvation. It's the fruit of salvation. They offer hope and solutions in times of great trouble. That's what's going to take place. And again, behind the pulpits in liberal America today, someone sent me a video of a woman praying to the universe and the sparkle prayer. And I was just like... I have righteous anger. You know, I'm glad these people are far away. I might be doing prison ministry from the inside. But you hear it, and it's so blasphemous. It's so mocking of God. Amen? But because they seem so gentle and mild, a lot of times they'll get away with it. The false prophet will appear like a lamb speaking false, deceptive words of comfort. He will promise the suffering people of the world that all will be well if they will simply worship the Antichrist. They'll promise relief and fulfillment of their being tormented, but those that fall for his lies will face the righteous judgment of God. Guys, it's not how the message is packaged or how good it may sound. It must be measured by the plumb line of God's word. Amen? It doesn't matter how it's packaged. It doesn't matter how great it sounds. These people I was talking to on 4th of July, I'm listening to them and I'm like, that is a doctrine of the devil. Oh no, I think he's great. Well, you're wrong. But, but you know, he's got these messages online. Yeah, so does the devil. Guys, it doesn't matter. Guys, we need to know what the word of God says and that's why we fall for the lie because we don't know the truth. 
It's not how the message is packaged, as I said. It needs to be measured against the word of God. Not about what your flesh wants. It's about being obedient to the one who loves you and created you. Amen? Verse 12. So point number one there, who the false prophet is, one who appears less threatening than the Antichrist. He's milder in appearance like a lamb. He's going to be more subtle in his words and approach, but he's just as much a child of hell as the Antichrist. Point number two, the power and authority the false prophet will possess. Look at verse 12. And he exercises all authority of the first beast in his presence. He causes the earth and those who dwell in it to worship the first beast whose deadly wound was healed. Now, the Bible says a perverse and wicked generation seeks after a sign. And what will happen, and this is kind of sad today, but a lot of people will equate signs and wonders as being the priority and the thing that we need for people to get saved. But here's the reality, as we will see as we go through the text, that Satan is an imitator. And he will imitate the miracles of God. Remember when Moses was in Egypt? You guys remember this? And he would throw down his rod and turn to a serpent. What did, what did the false prophet do? He threw down, and what happened? Same thing. And guys, that's why we don't just seek after... Now, does God do miracles still? What's the answer? Yeah. Absolutely. But just remember that when God does it, God will be glorified and it will always, always line up with his word. Amen? But again, if you're just seeking after signs, you will fall for the, you will fall for the lie. Again, the Mormons teach, they know the Book of Mormon is true because they have a warming in their bosom when they read it. Guys, I don't need a warming in my bosom. I need the truth. Amen? And so we need not to fall for just our feelings, again, overruling what the Word of God says. So he's going to exercise all of his authority and do everything he can, again, and he does it in the presence of the beast, of the Antichrist. So he and the Antichrist are walking step in step. The Antichrist is the political one, and the false prophet is the religious one, and between the two of them, they're trying to draw all of mankind to worship the Antichrist and, again, to be aligned with him. I want to note this too, that subtle deception is often harder to spot, but it will lead you to lead you to hell just the same. And again, we hear it all the time and it breaks my heart just to see how far away from the truth we are getting as people. The greatest defense again against both great and subtle deception and the lies of the enemy is to know the truth of God's word. And by the way, Jesus is the way, the what? And the life. So when you're lying, you're being Satan-like. When you're telling the truth, you're being Christ-like. When people question the truth, they're questioning Jesus. Amen? Because he is the truth. So what is the false prophet's mission? It says there, and he causes those who dwell in it to worship the first beast whose deadly wound is healed. So the false prophet will point people away from the truth to follow the lie. He is a satanic prophet who leads the world to worship Satan and the Antichrist. Again, the Antichrist is in place of Christ. So everybody worships something or somebody. And what the enemy wants us to do is to worship the thing that feeds our flesh. And so the Antichrist is going to appear in the midst of what's going on. Who knows? It may be famine. I don't know what's going to be taking place. We know that by this point, a third of the world's population has died, then a fourth of the world's population has died, and all the hills have moved, and I mean, you know, hellstones falling from the sky. So in the midst of all of that, this Antichrist is going to step up and he's going to seem to have answers. And then when he gets struck down dead and gets back up, that sign's going to cause much of the people left on this planet to follow him headlong. 
and as we will see in the end of the text, take the mark of the beast. It says at the end of it, his deadly wound was healed, and it points to his recovery or resurrection from a fatal wound, and again, it's an imitation of Jesus and his resurrection. So false prophets preached a false gospel pointing to a false savior, and again, anybody, if, you, if they add to the Bible, false prophet, amen? They take away from the Bible, false prophet. I, I don't know if you've been seeing this lately, I keep getting these things sent to me because uh, as a pastor, I, I guess they've just put you in certain things, and there's these um, Muslims saying Jesus is a Muslim. And I'm like, that's amazing because Islam was started 635 AD, and Jesus came 600 years before that, and Muhammad was a false prophet who you know, married a nine-year-old girl and went out with his sword saying, convert or die. You know, Muhammad said, follow me or I'll kill you. Jesus said, follow me because I died for you. That's a different savior. Can I get an amen to that? So the false prophets preach a false gospel. And the Antichrist in place of Christ, a false prophet teaching lies, encouraging the worship of false gods. Verse 13, he performs great signs. So he even makes fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men. Now, who else have we seen called fire down in Revelation? Well, Elijah is earlier, but who's doing it here? Well, Elijah, well two witnesses. If we assume one's Elijah, he's calling fire down again. I think that's a good, that's a good uh, idea of who it would be. I think it's Moses and Elijah, law and the prophets, amen? So Elijah called fire down in the Old Testament. Remember, prophets of Baal? And now the two witnesses call fire down. So they're going to do the same thing. And so Satan has never had an original thought ever. And what does he do? He tries to mimic what Jesus does, what Almighty God does. Amen? He had access to God. He was in the presence of God. He thought he was greater than God. There's two undeniable facts. There is a God and you're not him. Amen? And the false prophet has signs and wonders to back up his false teaching. And too often, that's what I'll hear from people. When I was pastoring a church in Santa Cruz and I was working full-time at the company I worked for, I'd have these guys say, you need to come. We're having sign and wonders week. I'm mean, signs and wonders week. You need to come. I said, when you have Bible week, give me a call. Amen. And, and, you know, and then they said, and after signs and wonders week, we would come to church and everybody would just roll on the floor, the whole service. And the Holy Spirit was moving in such a way that we never got to the Bible. That's how you know it's not the Holy Spirit because he's not the author of confusion. And he's always pointing people to Jesus, never to himself. Amen. And so you see this, the same thing is taking place here. The false prophet it's come along and he's pointing everybody to the Antichrist. And now he's using these signs and wonders to give legitimacy to his words. And if you only look at the signs and the wonders, you will fall for the lie. Amen? And again, God still does signs and wonders, of course, but know that the word of God, faith comes by hearing and hearing by signs and wonders? Word of God. Amen? Signs mimic not only the miracles of Jesus, but Elijah and the two witnesses. There's a supernatural power which is against God and truth, as well as the one that is of God and truth. A miracle simply as, as a work of wonder is not necessarily from God. In the days of Exodus, again, we talked about Aaron performed miracles, and then so would he be matched by the magicians in Egypt. In Deuteronomy, we saw that God assumes there will be supernatural works on behalf of the false prophets and idols, and he warns people to judge a worker by his message, not by their works. Jesus said in Matthew 7 that even that 
that some will, who worked miracles, even in his name, were false followers and would perish in hell. Jesus said of the end times in Matthew 24 that false prophets will emerge and show great signs and wonders to deceive. And Paul said that the Antichrist will come with all power, signs, and lying wonders. So we shouldn't be surprised when maybe the, something miraculous takes place. We must always see whose name's being lifted up and does it confirm the word of God? Does it point people to the Lord or does it point people to the one who supposedly is the one doing the sign or the wonder. You got entire groups of word of faith movement where they have a crusade with the guy's name after it, and he's blowing on people and waving coats over people, and they're talking about all the signs and wonders. And I'd love to, I'd love to be in an elevator with one of those guys, because I would just love to be able to ask him, look, first of all, if you can heal people, let's just drive down to the hospital right now, me and you, let's go. Amen. They always seem to, heal, quote, heal the people that, you know, they bring up on the stage. And, bro, it's just so tragic. Amen? And what they're doing is they're not focusing on the Lord, but they want you to focus on them and their ministry. Knowing all this and the emphasis of signs and wonders among some Christians is frightening. Yes, our God's in the, in the miracle business, but while signs and wonders will be present among Christians, they're not what we seek after. We seek after the Lord. Again, Matthew 20, 16 says, a wicked and perverse generation seeks after a sign. Guys, we don't come to Jesus for signs. We come to Jesus for salvation. We don't come to him to ask him to do a miracle. And remember, they did that. They, they would show up, show us something, Jesus. And those people that were like that, he would never show them anything. And what he would always do is teach them the truth, verse 14. And it says in verse 14, and he deceives those who dwell on earth by those signs which he has granted to do in the sight of the beast, telling those who dwell on the earth to make an image of the beast who was wounded by the sword and lived. So he performs great signs. They do it in the earth in the sight of all men. And then he deceives those who dwell upon the earth. Those who dwell upon the earth in Revelation is speaking of unbelievers. It's not people on the earth who've given their lives to the Lord and most of which will be put to death or martyred for their faith. But as believers, we should be able to stand against the lie because we have the truth. Amen? We should be able to discern between the truth and a lie. The false prophet will succeed dramatically in his efforts to deceive unbelievers, exactly as Jesus predicted. It says, for many will come in my name, saying, I am of the Christ and will deceive many. Matthew 24, and many false prophets shall rise and deceive many. Matthew 24, 24, for false Christ and false prophets will rise and show great signs, wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. And then in Mark 13, it says, for many will come in my name, saying, I am he and will deceive many. While unbelievers will be deceived, believers through, they're going to go through tests, they're going to go through trials, but what's the major difference between a believer and an unbeliever? What is it? What do we have that the world doesn't have? We have the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit lives inside of you. He comforts you and he convicts you. Amen? And don't you just have a check in your spirit sometimes? And again, I'm not talking about just a sign or one, but you know, like some said, you go, oh, no, wait a minute. And then you go open your Bible and you find out what's true. And so as believers, we don't fall for the lie and we're not going to be as evil, easily deceived. But as believers, we need to be people of the word so we won't fall for the lie of the enemy. We already see a precursor to unbelievers being so deceived. Again, I know everybody says this during their generation, 
but I've never seen a group of people more deceived in my life than what's going on right now. Amen? Gender fluidity. Does this make any sense to anybody? Well, I'm a, I'm a woman on Tuesdays and a man on Thursdays, and I'm kind of non-binary on Friday, and then you're, and you're just, it makes my head want to explode. Now, why is that? Because when you're spiritually dead, you're easily deceived. Amen? When, you, when you're struggling with something, the answer is Jesus. And we need to pray for people that are struggling, people that are struggling with this kind of stuff. We need to pray for their, for their salvation because, look, what, what they need is the Lord. Their lives are empty. There's a God-shaped vacuum that only he can fill. And changing your sex won't do it. And making more money won't do it. And coming out as homosexual won't do it. And being an adulterer won't do it. And, you know, and, and having a lot of followers on Instagram. None of that stuff's going to do it. Only Jesus can fill that void in your life. Amen? Evolution. Is that a lie of the devil? Completely and totally. And I love how arrogant people who believe in evolution are. I meet them on the plane. I love that. Divine appointments on the plane. And where are you going? I'm sitting right here. You're sitting right there. You can't get up. We're going to talk, right? <laughs> but they'll tell you, well, I'm a scientist, so I follow the science. I said, well, there are scientists who believe the world was flat when the Bible said it was round hundreds of years before they got it. Can I get an amen to that? What about the law of biogenesis, that no living matter can come from non-living matter? What about the law of the second law of thermodynamics, that everything goes from, diso- from order to disorder, not the other way around? Both of, and by the way, where are all the transitional forms? They don't like it when you're an educated Christian, amen? But you can ask them, but there's the deception. Atheism, belief that there is no God, denial, denial of absolute truth, rejecting God's definition of marriage, killing babies. We have... We have a group of people in politics that believe you can kill a baby up to the moment it's born. That's deception. Amen? It's deception. It's sinful. It's evil. It's wrong. People are deceived. Guys, we've had the scales removed from our eyes. We can see the truth. It's not because we're intelligent, but because of who dwells in us. Amen? And we see the truth for what it is. And they're walking in a lie. And guys, we need to pray for these people. And, and we, don't, we don't hate them and we don't affirm them. Amen? Everybody says you either hate them or you affirm them. We don't do either. We don't affirm the ungodly and we don't hate it. Because that's there for the grace of God is every one of us. Amen? But by his grace, he's opened our eyes to the truth. Those who are spiritually dead are easily deceived. And in this case, what is the source of the deception. It says, by those signs which he has granted to do on the side of the beast, telling those who dwell on the earth to make an image of the beast. Humanity will become so completely under the influence of the false prophet, they will obey his command to make an image of a beast and then worship it. It's like King Nebuchadnezzar, right? And what are the first two commandments? What are they? You shall have no what? No other gods before me. And the second one is what? No graven image. So what are they going to do? They're going to create an authority and they're going to make it a graven image and then they're going to worship it. When I would go to India every year, it was so tragic to me. And I think one of the things has never left my heart. And I continue to pray for this guy. I was with my interpreter and I would teach up to a thousand guys how to study and teach the Bible. And these guys were pastors planting churches. And he took me to the largest Hindu temple in all of India and it was during Diwali, which is the high Hindu holiday. And so there's tons of people there. And there's this man on his knees crying out to this statue of an elephant. 
and he's pleading and he's crying out. And my heart broke because I didn't know his language and I couldn't speak to him. But it breaks our hearts. Guys, if you put your faith in anything that you created, how foolish is that? And this is exactly what's going to take place. They're going to create their own image and then they're going to worship it. At least Nebuchadnezzar made the image himself. He had his people make it, and then everybody had to bow to it. Well, this is going to take what Nebuchadnezzar did and take it from just the people in Babylon to the entire world has to worship this statue, this idol. Now, this idol will be different because it says in the future verses here that it will be able to speak. Now, again, some say, well, is that technology or is it just demonic? Either way. It's going to be like, you know, the Abe Lincoln at Disneyland. He's going to be... (laughs) program to say the same thing over and over. I don't think so. But whatever it is, it's going to deceive many. The Antichrist's image of himself as a symbol of his deity for worldwide worship will probably be set up in the temple grounds of Jerusalem. And we know that there's a thing called the abomination of desolation, right? We've talked about that. And there's going to come a point where at the 42-month mark, right in the middle of the tribulation, where he's going to proclaim himself to be something he's not. People will recognize that they've been deceived. And do you know that when the Antichrist is at his peak, his ministry will come to an end? What he's doing will come to an abrupt end. It will not continue. He was wounded. Now notice how they always remind you of this. He was wounded by the sword and lived. So three times in this chapter, it talks about him dying and then living or being wounded and then living. So they're putting all their trust in the fact that he was wounded and yet he lived. And guys, we know that Jesus has triumphed over sin and death. He's risen from the dead. Those going with us to Israel in January will walk into the tomb and it's empty. Amen? And they're trying to imitate who Jesus is and what Jesus has done, but it goes far beyond just a miracle. There's a lot of people that rose from the dead in the Bible, right? but they all died again. Amen? Jesus rose from the dead and never died. Amen? And so we're going to see the power and authority that he will possess. He performs great signs and wonders. He will deceive the unbelievers. And again, we see that in the, we see the deception that's taking place in the world today. I mean, I I shared this recently that someone said that uh, addition was racist. And the woman said, so two plus two is still four. She said, no, because there's no absolute truth. It could be five. It's just whatever you think it is. That kind of goes along with, if you can't figure out if you're a man or a woman, you probably don't know what two plus two is either. And it's tragic though. Guys, we need to be salt and light to those people. For such a time as this, you and I have been placed upon the earth. All the prophets who went before us were faithful. Now it's our turn. Amen? Daniel was faithful during his turn. The prophets were faithful during their turn. People like Martin Luther, faithful during their turn. It's our turn. Let's be faithful. Final point what the false prophet will seek to accomplish. Look at verse 15. He has granted power to give the beast the breath to the image of the beast, and the image of the beast shall both speak and cause as many as would not worship the image of the beast to be what? So it's going to be like Nebuchadnezzar, but on a greater scale. When Nebuchadnezzar said everybody will bow when the music plays, We know that there were three Jewish boys who stood up, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and they were thrown into the fiery furnace, as we know, 
And he threatened them that if they didn't bow, and they said, we're not going to bow, our God will deliver us, but even if not, we're not going to bow. And as the veins popping in Nebuchadnezzar's neck, I can just see it, and he's saying, throw them in, heat it up seven times hotter. And then he looks into the fire, and what does he see? Four in the fire and one in the likeness of? Son of God. And then he says, come out, come out, you servants of the Most High God. You know why? You have to be called out of fire, because it's better to be in the fire with Jesus than out of the fire without him. Amen. That'd be called out. So here, this is going to be the same program, but it's going to be worldwide. And if you don't worship the image, you're going to die. We're going to put you to death. We're going to decapitate you. We're going to torture you. We're going to kill you. Now, in times like that, we would hope that we would stand for the Lord. Amen? And any dead fish can go with the flow. It's real easy to just do what everyone else in the room's doing and hope nobody notices. But, but thankfully, there will be those who will stand, and most of them will pay with their lives. But guys, they can't threaten us with heaven. Amen? The worst thing the world can do to us is the best thing that could happen to us, and it's easier said than done. So they're going to have this. He's going to breathe life into this statue, and we know with technology today that everybody will be able to see it on their phone or whatever. There's going to be a way for people to see it, and when they see this idol moving around and talking, People are going to fall into step, and most of them will do as they've been instructed, especially since they know they can lose their life. The word for breath there is pneuma, which, again, gives the appearance of being alive. And so here's this talking statue seen by the world. You either bow and worship it, or you're going to be put to death. Whether the image is animated supernaturally or, techno or technologically, the result will be impressive. You know, the psalmist mocked idol worshipers because the idols were of the heathen, of silver and gold, a work of men's hands. They have mouths, but they cannot speak. They have eyes, but they cannot see. That's Psalm 135. In this case, they'll move around. And this idol will be able to talk. And many will be deceived, and many will follow after it. This is why we need to know what the Word of God says. Again, the uh, idolatrous image is what Jesus, Daniel, and Paul spoke of as the abomination of desolation. It's an adulterous image set up in the holy pl uh, place of the rebuilt temple, and it's an abomination in the sense of being supreme idolatry, idolatry and desolation in a sense that will bring judgment upon those who, who walk uh, with it, who follow after this beast. Because remember, even though we've taken a break here for these three chapters, the final judgments of God are coming. That seventh seal is about to be opened. And then we're going to see all the bold judgments. In that last three and a half years, we're going to see the righteous judgment of God. So in the midst of that, we're going to see that the Antichrist has risen up. We're going to see that people start to follow him. We're going to see people start to worship him because it costs their life if they don't. But halfway through, he's going to, it's going to come to an end. And then the righteous judgment of God is going to come upon the earth until the Lord returns at the end of it. Verse 16 and 17, look what it says. He causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and slave to receive the mark on their right hand and on their foreheads, that one may not buy or sell except one who has the mark of the name of the beast or the number of his name. So what's going to take place, and again, if you talked about this 300 years ago, people would wonder what it meant. But I remember being a teenager, and the first time I went to the grocery store, and they went, boop. You guys remember that? They take these numbers on the bottom, they go, boop. And I was like, ooh, that looks like 
we're heading in the right direction, amen? Because, and are we, are we come, becoming more and more of a cashless society? I've been in several places in the last month, but they don't take cash. It's insane. I have money. They don't want it. They won't take it. You can't buy it with money. Have you ever taken a flight? Do they take money on flights anymore? What's the answer? No. So it's becoming cashless. This will be an easy conversion to say, well, instead of having the chip in your card, let's just put it right here. Let's just put it right here. And this is where your skin is thinnest on your body, I think. Right, Doc? <laughs> if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But I'm, that's why I said I guess. But, but it's in a place where it can be, you know, transmitted through your skin. And, you know, a lot of it will, will and again, I've been reading about this technology because I was just curious. And it sounds pretty good. Like, they're literally saying there's some chips that they believe they can develop where they put it in your body and it will, it will, it will alarm people or it will send a 911. If you're having a heart attack, it will just automatically call. Or if something's wrong in your body, it's going to tell that. I don't know how far along they are on that, but I read about how they've been trying to, so they're going to say, look, it's for health. It's going to help your health. And I want to say this, technology and the, sign, the mark of the beast, you're not going to be accidentally take the mark of the beast. I have people calling me, if I take the vaccine, am I taking the mark of the beast? No. No. But we'll fall into the trap. First of all, when the mark of the beast is handed out, we're not going to be here. Thank you, Jesus. Amen? We're going to be in heaven. But the te- is the technology there where you could have a chip here and a chip here, and you could walk into the grocery store, take all this stuff, it would, it would calculate what you have, walk out to your car, and it'll take the money out of your account. You think they could probably do that even now? So this is all, it's all in place. We're not that far away from it. It could easily take place. And so he's going to make, they're going to make it where if you don't do this, you cannot buy and sell. You won't be able to get food. You won't be able to get medicine. You won't be able to buy clothing. You won't survive. If you don't take the mark of the beast, you won't survive. And so that's going to be something that's going to cause people to have to make a choice. And those who won't take the mark of the beast, as it said in that verse, will lose their lives. More than than not, will be killed. It's tragic. But God's in control. And that's the good news. Amen? And again, written 2,000 years ago, technology is here. And when this was written and when this was seen by the Apostle John, it's amazing that now we're in a position where this could take place. All those things will be unattainable for those who will not take the mark of the beast. The, religi- uh, the currency. Did you see what happened in Canada recently? So these guys were protesting and the government froze all their money, froze all their bank accounts and said, when you stop protesting, we'll unfreeze your bank account. So if... So if they can freeze your bank account now, what will happen if you don't take the mark of the beast? They can freeze your account, right? They can keep you in a place where you're going to starve. Guys, here's the good news. Can I encourage you if you're not saved? Get saved now. You won't have to face any of this. Amen? And what is it that's holding up the return of our Savior? The rapture of the church, excuse me. What is it holding it up? The last of the Gentiles to be saved. So if that's you... Get saved today and let's go home. Can I get an amen to that? Again, we're already seeing things in place where they can shut things down, where they can turn things on. The technology is already there. And that day is coming when you're going to have to choose to follow the well, people that are here, to either follow the Lord or take the mark of the beast. And again, it's not hard to grasp how these 
Again, those who refuse to take the mark, who will choose to obey God rather than bow to the Antichrist and obeying God and rejecting the Antichrist and the false prophet, again, while a vast majority of the people follow after. And notice it says at the end of that, or the number of his name. Now, I want to to encourage you with this as we're closing up here. People are trying to figure out who the Antichrist is all the time. And I've seen everybody from Hitler to you know, some people thought it was Reagan, which is insane. But they have all these reasons why. And what they do is they take the numbers of their names and then they count out how many letters and they try to get it to equate to be 666. And then when they find it, oh, he's got to be the Antichrist. Let me encourage you with something. Don't waste your time looking for the Antichrist. What you need to be doing is keeping your eyes on Christ. And too much of the world is so wrapped up in trying to figure out, well, if you take every fifth letter in the Greek alphabet, and then you put it in the Bible, and then you roll it backwards and spin it on and do pi, then it comes out to the... Stop! Quit wasting your time, amen? Let's focus on Jesus and not worry about the Antichrist, because he's going to lose anyway, amen? The exact identification, again, of who this person is is unclear. What is clear is that everyone will be required to have the identifying mark or suffer the consequences. Notice what it says in verse 18. Here is wisdom. Let him who is understanding calculate the number of the beast. And as the number of man, his number is 666. I don't have time to go through all of it, but there's reasons why people thought back in the day that Nero was him. There's people that thought it was different. And there's people that still try to calculate things. And again, we can take your name. Both, they did this both in Greek and in Hebrew where they put a number with the name. There was not long ago uh, when Pompey was uncovered and it said, I'm in love with five, the woman who was 547 or whatever. And so you can put numerical numbers to your name, but it may not be the way that God's calculating it. Amen. But just remember this. Seven's the number of what? Completion or perfection. Six is the number of? Man. So 666, no matter what that ends up meaning, but could that, again, doesn't it not point to Satan, the false prophet, in the Antichrist, amen? There's an unholy trinity. And again, whatever these numbers equate to, don't spend all your time chasing after things that, again, take our focus off of the Lord. Let's focus on Jesus, amen? Look up for your redemption draweth nigh instead of chasing after. By the way, that's another reason why of many that I am uh, pre-trib and pre-millennial because if... If you're mid-trib, then you're looking for the Antichrist. You're not looking for Christ. Amen? Jesus can't come back today. He can't because we'd have to have three and a half years of tribulation before he could. And the Bible tells us that no man knows the day or the hour. And if it was mid-trib, I think we could all figure it out. Amen? And so thankfully, here's the good news. We will be raptured. We will be home in heaven, but we want to pray for those who may be here through it. And we need to understand what the word of God says, because again, it even tells us in Revelation that blessed are those who read and understand this book. Amen? So in closing, the false prophet, who is he? Who is he? One who appears threatening, less threatening than the Antichrist. He's subtle in his appearance, but he's still as demonic as the Antichrist. He will have power and authority. Uh, he will perform great signs. He will deceive the unbelievers. And then what will the false prophet seek to accomplish in the end? To get everyone to worship the Antichrist and to get everyone to take the mark of the beast. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We praise you. We love you, Lord. You are a great and an awesome God. We thank you, Lord, that 
while there are false teachers and false prophets and an antichrist and the devil, we're thankful, Lord, that you're the King of kings, the Lord of lords. You're the all-knowing, almighty, all-loving all God. You're in control. You're faithful. You've not given us a spirit of fear, but a power and love and a sound mind. And Lord, help us to keep our eyes on you and not on the things of this world, not to fear what man may do, not to fear what the enemy can do. We know that the enemy's defeated. We leave him in your hands. Help us, Lord, to love and serve and honor you with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. We ask these things in Jesus' name and all God's people said. Before our last worship song, I'd be remiss if I don't do this. If you're here today and you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, the Bible says, today be the day of salvation. The Bible says, if you confess me before men, I'll confess you before my Father in heaven. When I was praying with the people and then baptizing them, I would say, look around you. There's thousands of people here and you're openly confessing your faith in Jesus Christ in front of this huge crowd. For each one of the people in here, if you've never given your life to the Lord, the Bible says, if you confess me before men, I'll confess you before my Father in heaven. The Bible says, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, you will be saved. So what needs to take place for us to be saved? We need to repent. We're walking in a direction. We're on the throne of our life. We're seeking after our own will. The word repent means a change of mind, a change of heart, change of direction. So you've surrendered your life to yourself. You're pursuing the things of this world and you turn around and you surrender your life fully to Jesus, not just making him your savior, but the Lord of your life, where you come off the throne of your own life and he takes your place. And if you will confess your sin and ask him to be your savior and surrender his li your life to him, the Bible is very clear that from that moment, the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of you. He's given you a down payment on heaven in the Holy Spirit. You have the promise of heaven. Your name's written in the Lamb's book of life. He will never leave you nor forsake you. And you will know that when you close your eyes on earth, you will open them up in glory. Guys, Jesus is the, is the thing that we, is the one that we all need. And without him, we are hopeless and helpless. Amen? So if you're here this morning, you've never given your life to Jesus Christ. I want to pray a simple prayer with you like I prayed with Bud yesterday. But I just want you to make a public profession by just raising your hand right where you are. Anybody at all. Don't leave here without the Lord. Anybody at all. May today be the day of salvation. Lord, we thank you. We praise you. We love you. And now we worship you because, Lord, you are worthy to be worshiped and to be praised. In Jesus' name we pray and all God's people said. Amen.